Hi, welcome back to Your Best Friends Podcast. I'm your host, Aurora, and tonight I am joined by my friend, Sarah. Say hello. Hey. (laughs) Um, Sarah and I found each other over Instagram, like all friendships do now. (laughs) Only the real ones. Yeah, like, uh, what, like a little less than, like two and a half years ago, I guess. Yeah. Because Bastion was, I want to say like six months old maybe maybe yeah that sounds yeah like he was right in there he was not very old (laughs) and he just turned three yesterday so insane yeah super insane so i well okay so okay so (laughs) so sarah and i met on instagram (laughs) technically but i stumbled across sarah in a mom group on facebook where all uh, mom groups on Facebook are their own. Another thing. great but place. But I stumbled. To make I I know. <laughs> but I found her blog, and then from her blog, I found her Instagram, and then I fell in love with her in a totally platonic way. I love usually. you. <laughs> and um, I asked her to come over for dinner, and so she and her husband came over for dinner, and it was a lot of fun, and we've been. He literally since. said, I so, think about that dinner in a pineapple all the time. And I was really? like, <laughs> all the time? He's like, every night I sit down and it's not dinner in a pineapple and I just about Why lose it. Why bring it up sooner? I would have been making this for you. It's just anything in a pineapple. I didn't know. You just like, you just serve him like cereal in a pineapple like <laughs> would every day. <laughs> For everyone at home, I think I just made like sweet and sour chicken, but I put it inside a pineapple because I saw it on Pinterest it and I was trying to be, I was trying to be fans, but it was just a pineapple it. and I scooped everything. I know it was great, but I just was like, man, I, I could have made you that so many times by now. And you never thought to bring no, up a pineapple. <laughs> That's like, speak your needs, man. I know <sighs> communication is vital. In he a relationship. gave him something I never could. <laughs> Chicken and a pineapple. Oh, no. <laughs> All right. All right. Anyway. Sorry. All right. So now we're going to move into the, <laughs> the non-pineapple related business. So um, I wanted to have Sarah on the podcast tonight because she has an incredible story that is what prompted me to go from a blog to an Instagram, which does not happen very often because most people have really boring blogs. I will say that as someone who has a blog. <laughs> and, and it made me cry. It still makes me cry. And um, yeah, so uh, I guess, I don't know. It's like feels weird to just like hop into this, but um welcome to my life (laughs) I'm sure I'm like sorry I'm gonna hit you with a big one here yeah so um when Sarah's baby was almost five months old she died and it's really sad and now the entire mood went from pineapple down let's bring it way down I know way down but um I met Sarah after that happened um and was kind of able to see her I met Sarah when she was pregnant with her second baby, Rosie, who is the cutest little girl. 
I love her. And I have loved getting, um, I've loved getting to see just your progression and your family's progression and everything. But um, I want to talk to Sarah and all of you about um, just, I think that's such a unique grief that coming from someone who has not experienced that. But I think that's, I don't know, just, I can't say <laughs> the right things. About You're doing this. great. Thank you. <laughs> so do you want to kind of talk to me and everyone yes. adjacently? <laughs> I do. Great. Um, I just want to say that like my whole purpose behind sharing my story with my blog and now it's more I'm more focused on just Instagram but um, the whole idea behind it was to share like something really sad initially of mm -hmm. course but my overarching theme was always intended to be like happiness mm -hmm. and to like celebrate Alice's life and like remember the joy that it brought rather than the grief and sorrow of her death which is obviously easier said than done yeah. but um also just to show joy in a lot of ways and like how you can create a happy life after devastating things happen to you even if it's not losing a child like I think everybody has a point in their life where they're going through something really really hard and they genuinely think they will never be happy again mm -hmm. and I just wanted to kind of show people that like not that you get over things but like you can move forward mm -hmm. and create joy in other spaces and it's okay to carry that with you and you don't have to like bury it and forget about mm -hmm. it like whatever it is that happened in your life and you can allow it to shape you and allow it to connect you with other people and allow it to help you be more kind and listen to people yeah. <laughs> and um I just feel like sometimes I feel a little bit guilty because right after Alice passed away everything I posted was very very grief centered and I think that was natural for me because of how just how the grieving process kind of works and over time it's evolved a lot more I, I definitely still post about Alice and I still post about grieving but I just also post like day-to-day -day little things about Rosie and about my life and sometimes I'll do little things about like my house or whatever and I'm it's not really an attempt to be like a lifestyle blogger. It's it's more like just trying to show people that while my grief is still there, there's still so much more to my life. Mm -hmm. You can do both. Cause I think sometimes people think they have to either like carry these hard things with them all the time and just like really suffer every single moment or they have to just forget about mm -hmm. it. And like, and it, I just want to show that like, it's not really that binary, like, there's so many more options in the middle where you can honor your past and respect the hard things that you've been through and like still carry those with you but at the same time like still feel a fullness of joy and still feel all the happiness and good things that life has to offer as well yeah I think that's incredible and I think that's just such a an incredible like mindset for you to be able to have because again being someone who has not been in your shoes I can only imagine and I feel like 
me as a naturally pessimistic person (laughs) would not handle things with as much grace and positivity as you do because I because when I started following you it was less than a year after she passed and even though like you said it was you know still grief centered you I do remember it being still positive that you would post about you know your favorite memories of her and it wasn't you know and you knew what had happened but it wasn't like it was still positive if that makes sense and you know and you still had this like you know I love her so much and it wasn't like sad to look at your Instagram like I mean it definitely was at times and I think that's normal and natural Mm -hmm. but but your page wasn't sad like it was such a celebration it still is like a celebration of Alice and I feel like that is just so impressive to me that you have been able to come from this because I I think that you're right that a lot of people feel like it's got to be one or the other that you are sad forever or that you completely move past it and you like out of sight out of Mm -hmm. mind like it just didn't happen and so I love that you've been able to find a balance that you can celebrate her life and also continue to live yours yeah it's definitely a hard thing and I I'm not perfect at it but right I think it's important to try and even I think having that platform right at the beginning was very helpful to me because sometimes my posts were kind of like a pep talk <laughs> if that makes sense mm-hmm. like to myself no, it totally does. where I'm like man I'm really sad but it's gonna be okay <laughs> and like <laughs> I'm trying to internalize this as I'm like writing it to share it and mm-hmm. I I don't know I was kind of helped me as well and that I was able to help myself I guess yeah by like writing down that like positive self-talk like it's gonna be fine and Mm -hmm. and also I feel like I found so much strength in community I feel like um getting to meet other women who have lost children and some suffered a similar pain like I've gotten connected with people I never would have met in in other capacities or or maybe never taken the time to know and I feel like those relationships have been so fulfilling and so wonderful and I think there's always something really kind of magical about getting to know people who are so different from you and um it's been that's that's been like really a wonder a wonderful thing about all of this if you if there is a wonderful thing (laughs) because I just feel like this these women they just like they all want to just lift you up you know Mm -hmm. and I I've never really experienced that in some of the other hard things that I've gone through in life, but I feel like, I don't know, maybe they're just not as like public communities, <laughs> but yeah, I think you can always connect with people through things that you've been through. And I think you can connect through just like general hard things. It doesn't have to be the exact same yeah, hard thing because pain is pain, you know? That's true. Well, I think someone can recognize that there are different levels of grief or pain but that you're right that pain is pain and that everyone goes through things and they may not be the exact same but we can relate to each other yeah because you know we've all experienced some level of grief and some level of pain yeah and yeah so I love that so um so like I mentioned 
you when I met you, you were pregnant with Rosie. I was. Um, <laughs> tell me, tell well, tell everyone, not me, because I already know. <laughs> tell everyone about um, the pregnancy and how that was like in relation to the grief. Yeah. So, um, we made the decision to try to get pregnant again very quickly after Alice had passed away. She was our first and only child at the time. And so it was really difficult to go from full-time mom to like no time mom. (laughs) And my, my older sister had actually lost a daughter her oldest and only daughter to a chromosomal defect called trisomy 18 and she told me and honestly like if anyone else had said this I would have probably punched them in the face but she was like you're never gonna feel even close to normal again until you have another baby and like I think because we had had a similar experience we were able like I could understand her heart in that moment (laughs) yeah (laughs) and she was really trying to say like i don't know like so much of that she didn't say was also there like of course you won't like your new baby won't replace alice was really helpful to regain that role Mm -hmm. so um when we were trying to get pregnant with alice i was kind of leading the charge we hadn't been married super long and my husband was um still in school and i was still in school and so he was pretty nervous but i felt very strongly that i wanted to have a baby and then um after with rosie dallas felt more strongly my husband dallas was like i don't know then so he kind of trusted me the first time and so i was like okay i'll trust you and follow your lead and also the advice from my sister had really helped and also seeing her like the difference between when she um had her daughter after her older daughter had passed away it was like okay yeah that's and so it was honestly like a huge leap of faith I felt like because I just felt I didn't really feel ready and sometimes people will ask me like how do you know when you're ready and I was like I I wasn't ready I I just like went for it because I that's what my husband felt like was right and I mean if I had like really really not felt ready I would have been like no right (laughs) but but I was like okay I'll I'll try right (laughs) I feel like all mothers kind of rise to the occasion like motherhood is always really hard even if you're like doing great yes and so I don't think anyone's ever really ready you just do it and somehow you do it yeah and so it was it was really hard Um, my pregnancy with Alice was really physically hard I was very sick the whole time and then with Rosie kind of miraculously I was not sick at all and that was really great because I was dealing with a lot of like emotional stress Mm -hmm. um, during that pregnancy but honestly like I didn't take classes I didn't have a job I literally just like sat and grew a baby (laughs) because I was like the dream so I (laughs) I, a dream in a way but I was like I can't handle anything else this is taking all my faculties (laughs) to do um so I I was really nervous but because Alice had like I was a lot more nervous once Rosie was born um versus during the pregnancy um but it all worked out (laughs) I tried I tried to speak pretty openly about um 
when Rosie was first born, I had a really hard time like connecting with her. And I think a lot of that was just like PTSD, anxiety, like fear. And I just remember like, I don't know, because when Alice was born, it was that instant sort of connection yes. sort of thing. And that that happens sometimes and it's wonderful. But I feel like a lot more moms than you would think experience sometimes like their baby is born and they don't necessarily feel that instant connection. Mm -hmm. And like that doesn't at all mean that they don't feel that instant love and like, right. I don't know. It's just different. It's hard to explain. But right. I, I know I know what you're talking about, though, because I feel like with with Rosen, my postpartum depression kicked in a lot faster than mm -hmm. it did with Bastion. And I felt something similar to that, yeah. where it wasn't that I didn't love him, but there was just a very different connection to him than I had to Bastion when he was born. When Bastion was born, it was this like instantaneous love and obsession. And like, like there's no way to really describe it if you've if you've been a mom you know well not just a mom like if you've been a parent you know that like in your chest that like yeah. fire exactly <laughs> it's like the like it feels really hot yeah in your chest and also and, kind of maybe like a familiarity i guess yes. and with rosie i was like who is this yes because <laughs> yeah because when bastion was born i mean i say this all the time now about both of our children but it's always like I feel like I've known them my whole life. Like, what was I doing all those years before I had this child? Right. And with exactly. Rosen, it with Rosen, it did take a little bit longer for that to kick in. But it didn't mean that I wasn't like it didn't mean that I wasn't totally obsessed with him, totally like yeah. in love with him when he was born. It just right. was it was different. Yeah. It's just a hard thing. And like as I thought about it, I was like, okay, I don't need to feel bad. All relationships require work. Like think about your really romantic relationships or like your friendships or like any of those kinds of things. Like you have to feed them for your like That's relationship true. to grow and be strengthened. And so I just I tried really hard to be patient with myself and not allow myself to feel shame because I knew that if I did that, I would just feel worse if yeah. I was like be connected <laughs> right Better, but um I mean honestly I can remember there was like a day she was like three or four months old where I just like I don't know it was just all of a sudden I was like oh my gosh <laughs> like I feel it yeah <laughs> this, and I I don't know it's a hard thing and when they're so tiny it's like there's no reason to feel guilt for that because they just have these really basic needs They'll be okay if you're just feeding them and changing them for a few months. But right, I think that never stems from something you need to feel guilty about because you mentioned postpartum depression, and it's I think it always comes from sort of a, a like a space like that where mm -hmm. it's like anxiety or depression or PTSD, yeah. and it's not like you are doing something wrong. It's like it's not that you don't love your child. Yeah, it's that there is a mental disconnect that's not your fault. Yeah. And and if that happens, you know, you can talk to somebody, you know, if you feel like that's necessary. But yeah. I mean, obviously, if your baby's born and you don't care about them, that's a different issue. And you should definitely see somebody. But it's but different. for like a but for a normal like for a normal like having a hard time connecting with your baby, I think that's normal. And I remember my mom telling me something similar. Um, she said that she had 
well in her case it was one of my siblings is adopted and so Mm -hmm. she said that when they adopted that baby she expected it to be like the same instantaneous thing and she wasn't there for the birth and you know it just was just different for her and so because Mm -hmm. of the difference in circumstances she did not feel as connected at first and she was like I love her but she also doesn't entirely feel like my baby and she's like sometimes I just feel like I'm babysitting Mm -hmm. and you know she's like and that didn't mean that I didn't love her and it just took a long time not that long but you know like a while and then one day she realized that she did have that connection and she you know and it just builds you know over the course of that relationship like you said like with any relationship you have to put time and effort into it well and I think like you hear about romantic relationships where people are like I've never ever doubted and like that's fine but I also think there's something really romantic about choosing each other mm-hmm. in like difficult times and like really fighting for one another yeah um and I think the same thing is true of relationships with your children where it's like there is something really magical about that instant bond but I think there's something really kind of noble about like putting forth that effort yeah. and like working for it and I I tried to like I don't know and I I know that there's a lot of shame around women who feel that way mm-hmm. especially if it happens with their first because they're like I'm a bad mom compare it to. yeah <laughs> and it's just I just kind of wanted I don't know I like to talk about things people don't like to talk about yeah that's something I love <laughs> like, about just you. talk about it yeah so since you mentioned the romantic relationship I wanted to ask how things were when you and Dallas were both dealing with grief mm-hmm. and how like not to pry into no, your personal life but like I said how... I love to talk about the things <laughs> someone wants to talk about um so was that difficult did I mean obviously it was difficult but like did you find that you guys were grieving in different ways like yeah kind of tell me about that little time period between Alice's passing and getting pregnant with Rosie yeah so I don't know if this is even true or not I haven't done like research but I've heard that most couples who lose a child don't stay together I've heard that too and um we were both really afraid of that I mean Mm -hmm. we had just lost our child and the thought of like losing each other was just like no this is all I you are all I have left (laughs) kind of thing and um I mean, like, of course, our relationship wasn't perfect before that, but we were in a really good place, which I think really helped us. I feel like Mm -hmm. we kind of like preparation meets opportunity. Like we had been doing a lot of good things to care for our relationship. So that was nice to have that nice um, baseline. But right after Alice passed away, we immediately uh, found a, a like grief therapist. Good. That's so smart. It's honestly like the number one thing I recommend because people reach out to me all the time and they, I mean, these people are really hurting and they have very fresh losses and they're, they ask me like, what should I do? And I just think the best thing you can do is find a therapist that can help you because like you are, people are so specific and your child Mm -hmm. was specific and your loss is specific and there's not going to be a one size fits all antidote that I can just tell you. I wish there was. Mm-hmm. That would be awesome. 
Yeah. <laughs> I would love to do that. But I think that's kind of one of the great things about therapists is they can adapt to your specific needs and your specific scenarios. So we found a therapist and we immediately talked about um, loss and how it affects marriages. And we were concerned because we both kind of felt obviously destroyed by this terrible thing and um we wanted to know like how can we make it through and our therapist said that one thing that um drives couples apart is blaming one another for the loss Mm -hmm. and luckily that was something that neither of us experienced um so that was great that we didn't have to worry about blaming each other (laughs) um and then another one is like getting frustrated when people don't grieve the same way as you Mm. and so we talked a lot about how we need to grieve individually and how we need to grieve as a couple and then um like how we can respect each other in that space so like for example with me for the first while, I couldn't really do anything. Like I said, like I didn't have a job. I wasn't in school. I, I tried to like structure things for myself to do so I wouldn't spiral even deeper into depression. But I, I knew that I wasn't in a place where I could like manage those kinds of responsibilities. Right. Whereas Dallas was about to enter his junior year of the chemical engineering program at Brigham Young University, mm-hmm. which is like notoriously extremely hard right and he went back to school just a few days after alice's funeral and at first i was like what the heck that is the weirdest thing you could do mm-hmm. and my our therapist kind of said like dallas wants to stay busy that is how he wants to cope and that's like what he needs and i was like okay <laughs> and i i think that like just understanding that people grieve differently and we really allowed each other the space to do what we needed to and not take it personally and not say you don't care about our daughter because of the things you're doing Mm -hmm. like I think that that was really really helpful for us and I think the third thing which our therapist didn't mention but it's something that I have experienced is that when you experience such a loss or such a devastating thing in your life I think you come out the other side as a different person yeah and I think it's hard to do that with a partner Mm -hmm. (laughs) because you both come out different people right yeah and so I think it's really important to like stay anchored to one another and communicate Mm -hmm. so that when you end up on the other side you can recognize each other yeah (laughs) And, and if you don't, like, that's okay, too, because I'm really a firm believer in, like, the power of individuals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I really think that, like, you can work through problems in relationships and um, you can overcome those kinds of things. And, like, to be totally honest, Dallas and I have done a lot of work, and I think that um, the reason that we have such a good relationship now is our willingness to put forth effort and try and um try to serve one another and try to appreciate each other for who we really are yeah and just like 
I don't know. I think it's really wonderful when you can sit down with your partner and talk about things that you need and ask one another to change to like a reasonable degree. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there is, you can ask too much, but I right. think, I think it's really great to say like, this is what I need and this is what you need and we can help each other. Yeah. Have those things. And I just, I don't know. I think that it's really hard when you feel like you've had to completely rebuild yourself from the ground up and it would make sense to come out saying, I think I want different things than I wanted before. Mm -hmm. And I think I am somewhat different. And um, if you have a spouse, like if you're lucky enough to have a spouse like I do, who will look at you and say, that's okay. I accept you as you are. And I love you as you are. And like, I celebrate you <laughs> even as you are, then that's great and I think it's important to like be that spouse mm -hmm. as well and kind of set the tone if you are not blessed to, yeah to have that but I don't know honestly I feel like we fought so hard and literally just I mean Alice passed away three a little over three years ago now mm -hmm. and we were just talking the other day and we kind of said like okay I think like I think we're doing good and like it's not that things have been dire ever since then between us but we've ha we've had a rocky road. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's it's hard dealing with loss and um I don't I don't know. I I hope I'm not making it sound too easy because like I don't know. I remember when I was really in the thick of struggles and people would be like, "Just accept him as he is." And I'd be like, "What are you talking about? I'm trying and it's too hard." <laughs> so, I disclaimer it's definitely really hard but i i think it's important to have hope through the process like okay it is possible yeah to like reach that and i feel like we are now enjoying the fruits of our labors yeah. we've reached good times well but i think definitely the therapist is important and forgiving each other and allowing each other to grieve how they need to because like i'm the type of person that's i mean i don't like openly weep <laughs> or anything but like I'm a lot more vocal dramatic and flashy about my grief and Dallas is a lot more silent and I think it would have been really easy for me to get upset with him for that mm -hmm. but for some reason just that initial warning of like people grieve differently and just allow him to do what he needs to do was always in the back of my mind and I just felt like okay this is what he needs to do and that's okay yeah well, I think something that you said is really important in all relationships is that you said that like you you can always work on it, but what's important is that both people are putting forth that effort. Yes. And I think that I think that a lot of people forget that part of it and they think as long as I'm putting forth that effort and I want it to work, we yeah. can make it work, but yeah, you can't really is, do it yourself. Yeah, it's a two-way street. You have to be, like, meeting each other. And I love that you said um, what you said about communicating your needs. And and I agree about, like, asking your partner to not to change because you don't want to change who you are fundamentally um, right. for your partner ever. But I do think it's appropriate in a relationship to say, these are needs that I have that are not being met where like this is what I would like 
yeah this is how i think you could meet those needs exactly do you think that's do you think that's possible for you to do yeah you know and as long as they are not outlandish right requests um <laughs> being you know, willing because, to adapt within reason yes being adaptable in a relationship is so important to making sure that and i think i mean especially in something like dealing with grief but in any situation you know relationships are so complex with anyone not even just romantic relationships mm-hmm. like relationship with family members and friends that they're delicate and if not both members are willing to talk and discuss about the needs of the relationship and and yeah and then the situation that you're in just amplifies that and so it's yeah. like if so I'm so glad that you had someone tell you to do therapy right out yeah. the gate because because I do think it's I think in so many situations having someone who knows what they're doing there to like <laughs> make sure that things go as smoothly as possible. Be the referee. Right, be the referee. Well, and that's why something that Seth and I always recommend new couples and it's never taken well, but it's meant well <laughs> is that I firmly believe when someone gets married, they should go to marriage counseling like right away. That's what Seth we did. If that's what we Seth did and that I did. Right when we got married. <laughs> we got married and like literally two months later we found a marriage counselor. And I actually recently started going to a new therapist and you have to like, you know, tell them all the times you've been to therapy before. Mm-hmm. And so I mentioned that my husband and I have been to marriage counseling. So she sits me down and is like, Okay. Like expecting the worst. Like, <laughs> tell me about therapy with your husband. And I was like, Oh, it's actually really good it was just it that, that it was just that we got married we realized that we were young and inexperienced and we mm-hmm. recognized that both of us had flaws and so we wanted someone to help us make sure our relationship was successful and she was like oh okay <laughs> but <laughs> big sigh of relief okay. i know she's like i don't have to deal with the husband we can move on to yes other things but yes so i think a lot of people are scared of therapy and yeah I don't I don't understand why personally because my dad is a therapist oh so I grew up always familiar with therapy it never Mm -hmm. seemed scary or taboo in my mind and so I'm like a big advocate for therapists in general because like my mom my mom always says too like we have dentists for our teeth and we have therapists for our brains we all it's have true. teeth and we all need have brains so we all need dentists and we all need therapists so it's like it's fine it's nothing to be ashamed of and um so i've always loved <laughs> i've always been a big fan of therapy myself um so dallas and i went to therapy before we got married we were engaged and we were like we're gonna go to therapy and talk about our expectations and just kind of make sure we've talked about because we didn't date super long we were friends for a long time before we dated, but we like our romantic relationship wasn't super long and we just wanted to, I don't know, cover more bases, I guess. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And just like you said, like consult a professional to help us be set up for success. And I felt like it was very helpful. And also just like the very act of going to therapy with your partner says 
to them like this relationship is important to me yeah and i'm willing to like put forth effort and honestly i think that is like so huge and like i think a perfect example is like well i can't think of exactly what he's done but there have been a lot of times in our relationship where i'll say to dallas like oh i want you to because he's a very logical analytical sort of man mm-hmm. he's not one for like huge romantic gestures or something but I'll, I'll be like oh i would really like it if you would do something like super romantic for me and he'll like I, I don't know he'll like try to write me a love letter and it's like you, it, you can tell it's from a very like mathematical mind mm-hmm. and but reading that and knowing like he listened to what i asked for mm-hmm. and he cared about what i cared about mm-hmm. and he really tried like that is so like I'm like almost crying thinking about it because it's like overwhelmingly more powerful that he cared enough to try than like the contents of it. Right. It was, you know what I mean? It was the intent and the fact that he, no, that totally makes sense. It's, it's kind of like when you, um, I've heard this from a lot of couples that they, you know, will say, I feel like, you know, because my husband doesn't do xyz he doesn't love me Mm -hmm. but then if you sit down and you know look at like the love languages for Mm -hmm. example and see like this is how they are showing Mm -hmm. love and then you look in that area and you see oh well his love language is words of affirmation and he says all these things all the time Mm -hmm. he is expressing love it's just different than how i express love and so i feel like and so i think i think you're right that it's that intent Mm -hmm. that that makes it so much more meaningful than the actual content of what they're doing. So a little bit switching gears here before we wrap up. Um, so you had Rosie, she is, she just turned two two? in December. I cannot believe it. I can't either. It's been so long since I've seen her too. I feel like she wasn't even walking last time I saw her. Come see her. Let's do it. I know. I need to. I'll come once, see you. Once, once we can. It's, once it's legal. <laughs> yes. Um, so how, so we kind of talked about, you know, the process of, you know, after Rosie was born and the connection there. How do you feel like, well, I mean, I guess she's only two. So, but how is Rosie's like understanding of like Alice and things that have happened like is that yeah. like how do, how has that worked so we have tried to always really in, involve Alice um mm-hmm. in things so like she has a stocking at Christmas we have family pictures of her that are around the house still and so we'll she'll be like oh that's me that's Rosie and I'll be like that's not you that's your sister Alice and like if you ask her like what's who's your sister she'll be like baby Alice and sometimes she'll recognize her and that kind of thing um beyond that I don't feel like she has much of an understanding right now but I don't Mm -hmm. I never want it (laughs) I didn't want it to ever be like this big thing conversation yeah Mm -hmm. like I sit her down when she's 10 and I'm like you have a sister (laughs) that I need to tell you about I I never wanted it to be that way I just wanted her, I just wanted Alice's story and her energy and her spirit to always like be part of our family and be part mm-hmm. of our home and I never wanted it to be something that she would feel afraid to talk about if she had questions as she, as she gets older and um, 
So I'm, and my parents and my whole family, they're all really wonderful about involving Alice. Like they're, they all always remember her birthday and my parents always do some sort of like donation or something at, at Christmas time to honor her. And, um, so we, we talk about her as I think as much as we can. Um, and we, we go visit her headstone pretty regularly. And so we just we just like to have her be a familiar face to Rosie yeah. at this point and talk to her about how she has a sister and um yeah like i said i don't think she really gets it yet but i i hope my goal is to continue that as she grows up yeah. and um keep doing those sorts of things um someday yeah. i want to do like a nonprofit and bigger grander ideas right <laughs> but for now i think it's great to just have the pictures and sh talk about this is your sister yeah so one thing that you've done that i have loved and been so impressed with is so you are a singer i'm a singer a musician and it's true. you have really included alice in in that and i mean you had the most beautiful song for her when you released your music video i sobbed <laughs> and it was so beautiful thank you so just i'd love to just touch on that before we yeah end and like how she's influenced that sure. and just all of that yeah so i wrote a song for my niece who passed away called until heaven and um so that was kind of weird how that all came full circle and then I ended up losing my own daughter but um I mean she was very young when she passed away but I felt very connected to her through music she would like get very excited when I would sing to her and smile and be calm when there was calm music and get excited about happy music like we'd be in the car and she'd be upset and I'd turn on the Hamilton and she would be like silent <laughs> like cabinet rap battle <laughs> <laughs> number two is my favorite song and but um so I had always looked forward to a lifetime of celebrating music with her and so that's kind of my way to feel connected to her still and so I felt like a song to honor her would be the the perfect thing that maybe she would pick and then I, ha I do have other songs as well that aren't about loss and the goal with those are kind of what I mentioned before just to sort of spread joy and uplift and to show that happiness can be created yeah no matter your circumstance and so even the songs about ex-boyfriends I feel like are yeah honoring well, her in that right. way because I'm yeah. like we can still be happy because I, I know that that's what any loved one would want is for you to be happy and do yeah. what you love yeah I love that I I feel like more than anything when I think of you I I think of that that you like have this message of positivity and like being able to get through the worst of things with not necessarily always a smile on your face, but <laughs> like to be able to see like positivity through it all and be able to yeah. like come out the other side and not be like a wreck all the time, I guess. Yeah, I think the number one thing that kept me going is that I don't know how I think maybe examples of strong people around me but I was always able to say like 
I might be miserable like right now, but like someday I'm going to smile again mm-hmm. and like really mean it. And so like, I think it's really important to honor, honor your grief and honor your, your trials and allow yourself to process those appropriately. Cause I, I think you can overdo it as well. Like suppress, mm-hmm. suppress, suppress, be happy. But, um, I think there's something really powerful about saying like, this is temporary this degree of grief is temporary even though the trial might be permanent and I that just was always really motivating to me because I knew that I wasn't going to be the same but I I knew that I would I would experience joy again and I definitely feel like I I can and I have now good good so thank you so much for coming on and being willing to talk about this Thanks wanted, for having me. I've wanted to have you on the podcast for so long. I I <laughs> remember I texted you like it got have been like a year ago and was like, hey, come on the podcast. And then it just didn't happen. And I was like, okay. And then we were like, Yeah, so I was like, let me just check my schedule. And then it did not happen. <laughs> so I'm so glad that we were able to get it to happen and get you on the podcast. Um, so I want you to tell everyone where they can find you on Instagram and also how they can listen to your music. Okay, real quick, I have to say, I messaged Aurora on Instagram because Bastion looked so much like baby Alice. You're right, he did. That was like... That was why we became friends. Like real friends. Yeah, it was because (laughs) baby Bastion looked so much like baby Alice. And it kind of weirded me out and hopefully it didn't weird you out It did not weird me out. It did not. (laughs) But I just, I love watching him grow and thrive and just be so cute and his Thank little face you. I know. anyway it's sorry the cutest no well, that's fine <laughs> small tangent yes no but um my instagram handle is just sarah bertola s-a-r-a-h underscore bertola and um you can find my music under the same name youtube spotify itunes it's all there my most recent album is called step to the left perfect and i will <laughs> i can't link on my podcast instagram but i will put um i'll tag you obviously so people can find you that way but i will also try to remember to put a screenshot of your album from spotify on my story so people know what they're looking for well and if you want to join aurora in my eight twitter followers (laughs) it is an honor (laughs) honestly i feel like I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm good at Twitter beyond besides like <laughs> connecting with people. Those thoughts, man, they just come to you at the weirdest I times. I know. But You've got to tweet them. I, you have to. But I, at least I know that Aurora will always have my back. I'll always have your back. I'll always like when you tweet. I'm like, oh, it's been a minute since I saw Sarah tweet. Better give that a little heart. <laughs> Usually I give like a wave of them at 3 a.m. <laughs> like here's six tweets like they just all came to me at the same time (laughs) okay well on that note uh we love you good night we love you good night (laughs) 